Today it is Father's Day, and I want to start off with a word of encouragement for the fathers that are present here today. Fathers, I want you to hear this. Be sure to understand, you hold, I believe, the most needed and the most influential office in the world. That is what I believe. Father, hear me. Listen to me. You are needed. You are necessary. You are important, vitally so, and you hold the potential for the greatest impact more than any position in the world. That's what I believe. You have more potential than the president or any, any other governmental office, more than any CEO, more than any other chief or captain of industry. I believe you hold greater potential than all of them. Today, I believe if our world is going to know Jesus and to uphold and honor Jesus, and if there's going to be a revival in our land, I believe it will start with Christian dads. Dads, I want you to hear me, and I want you to be sure of this. Listen, you are a big deal. Fathers, you are a big deal. Now, because of that, Satan and the lost world are seeking to devour you. They are seeking to destroy you. I'll just tell you this at the same time. I believe one of the two greatest attacks today, I believe first the greatest attacks on the Word of God, but I believe the second greatest attack right behind that today is on the role in the office of Father. Men, you hold the potential to see great impact for the glory of our Savior, Jesus. And so listen to me. My encouragement to you on Father's Day 2022 is to, is to understand this. You are important. You matter so let's go. Celebrating Jesus, be ready, stand up, stand firm, and let's go in the office of Father. If you remember Christmas, if you can remember back that far, it was about two weeks ago. If you remember Christmas, I preached the Christmas sermon, a couple of them actually, the account of the birth of Jesus from Luke chapter 2. Now that's pretty normal. If you remember, it was really a strange move. And it's something I've never heard of. I preached the Easter message also from Luke chapter 2. Well, today it's going to get even weirder, and I'm going to preach the Father's Day message from, you guessed it, also from Luke chapter 2. Today our verses are found in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, God's Word says this, And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today and we are thankful for this day, the Lord's day. We're thankful that today we celebrate a risen Savior, that we stand in a risen Savior. I'm thankful that we have hope today that we have peace that's not depending on the circumstances of the world around us. We have peace anchored in the person of Jesus. 
Lord, we're thankful that we can come today and we have your word that is living and active and speaks to us. And I, I pray, Lord, as we have gathered today, that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would direct us. Lord, I pray that it, it wouldn't just be the passing on of information, just the hearing of words, but I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today. Lord, I'm thankful for fathers, and I'm thankful for the opportunity we have as fathers. Lord, bless us in that. And I pray that in all this that you're known and that you're glorified. I pray if there's somebody here listening in person, listening in some other means that does not know you, I pray that today in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in this very hour, that they would turn to you in faith. They would turn to you and trust you as their Savior. In doing so, that they would be saved. Lord, we hold them up to you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, let me explain to you what is going on in our verses. Let me explain to you the context that we are looking at today. When we get to Luke chapter 1, Jesus' birth is foretold. Bible says, in the fullness of time, after 400 years of silence, God has again spoken, and he has announced the birth of the coming Messiah, the promised Savior of God, Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 1, we are foretold of the coming of Jesus. Then when we get to Luke chapter 2, the Bible tells us Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem, to the city of David, to register for a census. Bible tells us while they were there out behind the inn that she gives birth. The Bible says that she wrapped him in cloths and she laid him in a manger for there were no room in the inn. Bible tells us that very night the announcement is made not to kings, not to the priests at the temple, but to shepherds that are out in the field. Now, I want to point out something here. This is an awesome story. I can't get over it every time I move through Luke chapter 2. It's an awesome story. But I want to point out something here already in Luke chapter 2. This announcement is going to be the pattern of Jesus. You see, he is the Savior come for all people, not just a select group of people, not just the influential people, not just the rich people, but he is the Savior come for all people. Listen, truly come for all people. And the announcement to the shepherds becomes the pattern for a Savior that goes by a well to bring hope to an outcast woman. The announcement to the shepherds becomes the pattern for a Savior that heals the lepers that are put out, that are cast out and rejected by society. The announcement to the shepherds becomes the pattern for a Savior that goes actually into the house of a tax collector hated by everyone because he too is a son of Abraham. And so Luke chapter 2, this announcement is made Setting this pattern, this announcement is made to shepherds. The Bible says today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is a Savior for all people. In our verse today, the Bible says, when eight days had passed, according to the Hebrew law, the Hebrew scriptures, the baby is circumcised. 
on that day before the circumcision, he is officially given his name. Now, we know it is the name Jesus. It is the name that means God saves. It is the name given by God himself, delivered at the agency of angels. In Matthew, it says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so on the eighth day, the account progresses along. Our Savior is officially named. His name is Jesus. The account continues on. It says, after more days, in fact, it's 40 total days, in fact, Mary and Joseph make their way to Jerusalem. Once there, they go to the temple, the place where God's presence was said to dwell, the place where God said that he would meet with his people, it is also the place where countless sacrifices, numerous sacrifices are, are carried out. Even endless sacrifices are carried out by the priests. The Bible says, obeying the law, they go to offer their sacrifice. It was a sin offering. The requirement for this sin offering was a lamb and a pigeon. That was the requirement, a lamb and a pigeon. Now, the law made a, a stipulation. If you could not afford a lamb, you could bring two doves or two pigeons instead. And so the requirement for the sin offering is a lamb and a pigeon, but there is a provision made. If you could not afford a lamb, you could bring two doves or two pigeons. I want you to see this. Mary and Joseph... Though holding the prince of glory, though holding the king of kings, themselves being poor, offered two doves for their offering. I want you to notice another pattern right here. From the very start, there is no pride able to be clutched, able to be held on to, when it comes to Jesus. Now, I want you to picture this scene. I want you to imagine this this morning. Imagine Mary and Joseph, but more than that, imagine especially Joseph. And where other proud men wrestled with their bleeding lambs loudly to the altar, there's a, a stir of commotion. Nothing was too good for their son. Nothing is too good for this occasion. And there's a commotion as they wrestle their lamb there to the altar. Here is my lamb. Nothing is too good for my son. In hushed tones, they produce a dove. How fitting that a Savior that comes in humility, that can only be received in humility, was presented this day also in quiet humility. They come, they're not able to afford a lamb, and so their offering is made with two doves. If we were to continue on, we would know it was during this event they meet a righteous and devout man named Simeon. If we continue on after that, they meet a faithful and patient woman named Anna. They are waiting to behold their Savior. And that's where we're going to stop in our account today. That's where we're going to stop in our verses today. I'll just go ahead and submit to you, weirdly, oddly, we're going to pull our Father's Day message from right here. Now you read that and say, I don't see a Father's Day message right there. 
weirdly, oddly, we're going to pull our Father's Day message from what we've read, what we've just talked about this morning. I want you to stay with me. I want you to follow with me this morning as we see another pattern here take shape. From this, I'm going to show you three things about raising kids. Listen, if you're a parent, if you're a young adult that potentially might be a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a member of a church of parents, you should listen in today. We're going to see from this account three things about parenting that we would do well to grasp. Listen, it's very important. I want you to see, and I want you to be sure of this up front. Our teaching today is not from an expert. It's not from some psychiatrist, psychologist, not from Dr. Spock, not from some person that's an expert in child development. It's not from any other source. I want you to be sure of that. Our, our, our teaching today is from God's own word. So that's where we're going to get our teaching today. Parents, again, grandparents, church, take note. Three things we see about parenting. All right, here we go. The first thing we see, the first thing we see is a home dedicated to the Lord. A home dedicated to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice how meticulous Mary and Joseph were, how, how deliberate they were in seeking to honor God. Notice that. In just this short account, we see it very plainly. They obeyed precisely in the naming of Jesus. They obeyed precisely in his circumcision on the eighth day. They obeyed precisely in the giving of the offering. Look, they, they don't change it. They do exactly what God has said. Their intent was to honor God. Their intent was to obey God. Folks, listen to me this morning. Hear this. The pattern we are to follow is to have homes that are given and dedicated to the honor of Christ our Lord. Listen, the pattern that we're to follow as followers of Jesus Christ, we're to have homes that are dedicated to the Lord. In this house, we know God. In this house, we love the Lord. In this house, we burn to walk in obedience, to model obedience to our kids. In, in this house, we so love God and we so desire to honor Him that it shapes all that we would do in this house. We need to see this. We need to notice this. Notice in the account, it wasn't just in word alone. Notice here in the can, it wasn't just in sentiment alone. They actually did it. They actually walked it out. When put to the test, they actually lived out their commitment to the Lord, their dedication to the Lord. Most folks I know, and I'm going to be very honest with you, they say, oh, yes, we love the Lord. Oh, yes, we dedicate these kids and they're raising to the Lord. But listen, their practice in life does not bear it out. There's a lot of folks who say, we love the Lord in this house. Oh, we're dedicated to the Lord in this house. But their walk in life does not show it. See here, they were deliberate in their practice. So the first, first thing we see is a home dedicated to the Lord. Now, since it's Father's Day, let me just go ahead and, and tell you the deal here. 
And that is best set by the Father in the home. The commitment to the Lord is best set by the Father in the home. Do you know every human sinful drive, every instinct of man is set against that? But the command of Scripture, the leading of Scripture is the Father is to decide. The Father is to declare, as for this house, we shall serve the Lord. That is to be set by the Father in the home. First thing we see is a home dedicated to the Lord. The second thing we see in parenting, the second thing we see is this. It is an endeavor directed by the Lord. It is an endeavor directed by the Lord. Parenting is an endeavor directed by the Lord. Now, their home was given to the Lord, but how were they led by the Lord? A lot of folks will say, hey, our home is given to the Lord. How are we led by the Lord? Watch this. In verse 22, it says, they followed the law of Moses. In verse 23, it says, as it is written in the law of the Lord. In verse 24, it says, and what was said in the law of the Lord. Listen to this. This holy home, this home dedicated to God, was led by and was directed by the Word of God. This home was led by the Word of God. Listen to me today, friend. Our homes must be led by the Word of God. They must be directed by the Word of God. Our homes today must be in line with the Word of God, not the expectations of the world, not the ideas of the so-called experts, not even by our own desires. Our homes must be dictated, must be led, must be directed by the Word of God. What will we do? We're going to turn to the Word of God. How will we handle our finances? We're going to turn to the Word of God. How will we live? How will we raise our kids? What will our priority set be? We're going to turn to the Word of God. Friends, let me, let me tell you right there. Let me be honest with you. For that to happen, we must be in the Word of God. It's the only way it's going to happen. Sometimes we think, oh, I want, to, I want to follow the principles of God, but we're not spending any time in the Word of God. For that to happen, we must be in the Word of God. For that to happen, we must know the Word of God. We live in a generation where people say, I don't know the Word of God. My granny knew it. Maybe at the church they know it. I don't know the Word of God. Listen, there's no shortcuts. If our home's going to be directed by the Word of God, we must, you must know the Word of God. We must saturate our life with the Word of God. Again, while it's Father's Day, Dad, the biblical truth is that's to be led by you. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, we got a lot of problems in our world. We got a lot of problems in our culture. We got a lot of problems in the systems we have. And we like to point a lot of fingers and say, well, that's a breakdown of that, and that's a breakdown of that. Listen, the biblical truth is to be led and input and implanted by the father of the home. And it's not the wife in the home. We say, oh, that's her deal, not the granny that you have, not the church that you take them and drop them off to. It's not for somebody else to do. Dad, you're to input and set the foundation of the word of God in your home.
parenting. It is a home dedicated to the Lord. Second, it is endeavor led by the Lord. Third is this. It is a stewardship to the Lord. Now listen, I want you to watch this. I want you to see this. This hit me. I think this is tremendous. I think this is awesome. What a great explanation this is. Parenting is a stewardship to the Lord. Again, this is awesome. Stay with me. Let me go to verse 22. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, I want to read that again. Here's what happens in the account. This is what actually happens in the life of Jesus. And when the days for their purification, 40 days for a son, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. To present him to the Lord. Listen to that. To present him to the Lord. Now that word present, I went and looked that word up, and I, I was wondering, what does that actually mean to present him to the Lord? Here's what it means. To present in the original language means to put at the disposal of. It means to provide to. It actually means to present. Presented to the Lord. And so I want you to understand, they went to Jerusalem, they went to the temple, they went to the priests to present him to the Lord, to put him at the disposal of the Lord, to provide him to, to give him to the Lord. Now that hit me all the way back at Christmas. They go to the temple, they go to the priests to present Jesus to the Lord. Now I want you to stay with me. They make the trip, they go to the temple, they go to the priests. Once they're there, they present, give Jesus to the Lord. Here's what I want you to notice. Yet, they still leave with Jesus. Now stay with me. They go to the temple, they go to the priest, they present Jesus to the Lord, and yet they still live, leave with Jesus. Remember back in the Old Testament, and there's the account of Hannah. Remember that account? Hannah, Hannah wants a child, Hannah wants a child. God blesses her with a child. She has Samuel. Samuel becomes a great prophet unto the Lord. She dedicates Samuel to the Lord. Now listen, before he's born, she said, Lord, I'll dedicate him to you. When he was born, she dedicated him to the Lord. Now I want you to remember that story. So what does she do? At the age of his weaning, she takes him to the temple and she leaves him at the temple. Remember the story? She leaves him there. He was set aside to the Lord. He was put at the disposal of the Lord. And so she left him there. Now the Bible says she would make clothes for him. She would make jackets for him. When she came to visit, she would give them to him. But she had dedicated him to the Lord. So she left him there. Now I want you to see this. Yet Mary and Joseph present him to the Lord and they leave with him. Now listen, what does that mean? It means they are raising the Lord's child. 
They are raising the Lord's child. It means they are responsible for the Lord's child. It means they have a stewardship to God for the child that they are going to raise. Do you start to hear what's unfolding here? Do you start to see how this works? Think about that. Do you know the Savior, my Savior, he ate at their table Do you know the Savior, my Savior, he heard their conversations. He heard the jokes that they told. He saw the responses that they had to people in different circumstances. Do you know the Savior, my Savior, he felt loved in that home. He played in the yard. He laughed with his brothers. Do you know my Savior slept in a bed in that home? He was in their care. Parents, hear me today. Listen to me today. Our kids are a gift from God. They are not a nuisance. They are not an inconvenience. They are a gift from God. He loves them. He died for their redemption in the person of Jesus. He has a purpose for them. He longs, the Bible says, for an eternity with them. And we are stewards of that. Do you hear that today? Do you get that today? Do you see how huge that is? We go home with them. We are responsible for them. Listen, what are we responsible for? Let me, let me clear this up. It's not the star test. It's not an ACT score. It's not their popularity. It's not their athletic ability. It's not whatever college they go to or whatever career they launch into. It's not even if they are successful. We are stewards of God's kids for their eternities. Parents, do you hear me? We're to teach them of Jesus. We're to lead them to Jesus. We're to pour into them a love for Jesus. When they're saved, we're to help them to find their purpose as they live for the glory of Jesus. That's why our home has to be dedicated to the Lord and nothing else. That's why our endeavor must be led by the Word of God and nothing else. The consequence is eternal. We have an eternal stewardship for our kids. The consequence is eternal. It is a stewardship to the Lord. And so on Father's Day 2022, let me tell us this, and I I, I pray that it's a piece of hope I pray that it's a piece of clarity. I pray that it makes our way plain. Here's what I want to tell you on Father's Day 2022. Listen, parents, our mission is to raise kids that love Jesus. Our mission is to raise kids that love Jesus. Simple as that. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled into some standard you can't keep. Don't get pulled into a race with some some secular set of folks trying to do something that's not going to matter Our mission, our purpose is to raise sons and daughters that know Jesus, that know that he loved them so much that he died for their sin, knowing that they have the forgiveness of their sin in him, knowing that there's peace anchored in him, that long to see him now, to long to walk with him, to long to be with him in eternity. That is the mission of a parent. For that to happen... You must love Jesus. You must know Jesus. 
Dads, if you're going to lead this, for that to happen, the mission of your life must be to know Jesus, to love Jesus. The focus of your life must be Jesus, Dad. I'm going to end, we're about done, I'm going to end by holding up the focus of all this. You notice all this goes back to Jesus. And so I'm going to end by telling you the hope we have in Jesus. Listen, dads, parents, kids, grandparents, single folks, hurting folks, we have a Savior. He was foretold of in Luke chapter 1. He was born as a man, Emmanuel, God with us in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 4, he reveals that he's the Messiah. All the prophecies of Isaiah are fulfilled in him. And in Luke chapter 4, he makes it clear, if you're looking for a Savior, I'm the one. Luke chapter 15, he tells us of a father that when we sin, when we mess up, when we go to the far country, that he waits for us there. And when he sees us, he doesn't stand there to degrade us. He doesn't stand there to, to rebuke us. He hacks up his, his clothes and he runs to meet us. He tells us of that father. Luke, it tells us of a Savior, Jesus. That when we had accumulated a debt we couldn't pay, a penalty we couldn't pay, we're lost and stained, shamed in our sin, tells us of Jesus that comes and goes to the cross of Calvary, having never sinned, not once. Though he is righteous, though he is perfect in every way, never sinning, no, not once. He goes to the cross of Calvary, and there he suffers. And there he is stretched out, and he's nailed through, and he bleeds Shedding his blood for the remission of sin, your sin, my sin. And there he pays the penalty for sinners. And there he dies, paying that penalty. The Gospel of Luke tells us they pull him off that cross and they put him in a grave. The penalty is paid, it is finished, it is settled in Jesus. There's nothing to add to it, no work we have to come and muster up after that. It is paid in Jesus. That gospel tells us on Easter Sunday morning that that Savior Jesus walks out of the grave and he walks out with a receipt in his hand. The price is paid, it is settled, it is finished. He stands as the risen King, our victor, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, the risen Lamb. The gospel tells us if we'll trust in him, not of any work that we might do, if we'll trust in him, he'll save us, he'll forgive us. Listen here, Father. He will forgive you of your sin. He'll restore you. He'll renew you. He'll save you. Listen here, young child. Listen here, older adult, mother, parent. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you today. He is the remedy for sinners. If you'll trust him today, this very hour, he'll forgive you of your sin. He'll save you. Trust Jesus today. I want to tell you the greatest thing that could happen on Father's Day is a, a turning to Jesus. Trust Jesus today. Turn to Jesus today. He'll save you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and we're so thankful. And I'm so thankful for the pattern of a Savior that comes in humility for me and for my, for my redemption. I'm so thankful for the pattern of a Savior that goes not to the highest places looking for a select group, it goes to the places where sinners congregate because he came to seek that which is lost. So, Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I'm thankful for the pattern that we have for parents in these simple verses. I pray, Lord, that we would turn to Christ, that we would 
submit to Christ in our homes, that we would walk with Christ as the priority of our homes. And I pray, Lord, that we would raise kids fit for eternity, not of any work of man, but in the work of Jesus. And we would stand together with them and with you in eternity, praising the Lord for all eternity. Lord, I pray that you've spoken. I believe that you have. I pray that you've encouraged. I know your word does. I pray, Lord, as we conclude this service, that if there's somebody here that needs to make a decision, I pray, Lord, that their pride would be squelched, that any hindrance would be pushed down, removed. And I pray that today they would turn to you and trust you in faith and be saved today. Lord, we ask that you move in our time of response, our time of invitation. We give it to you. And I pray that every bit of it's for your glory and for your name's sake. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And there's a couple things to think about today. Now, I want to tell you, this truly is the most important thing we're going to do today, what we're about to talk about. And that is this. The gospel calls us to decide. The gospel calls us to make a decision. And there's a couple of decisions. First off, if you've never trusted Jesus, turn to him today. He loves you. He sees you in your sin. He knows you're hopeless and helpless in your sin. He's paid the way in Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus, turn to him today. He'll save you. The first decision is this. If you've never trusted Jesus, his grace is extended to you. Trust him today. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you need to follow a believer's baptism. You need to run up a flag and say, this is what I believe of Jesus. This is how I'll testify in obedience to what Jesus said. And so you come. The Bible says that our baptism is always after we're saved, always not part of our salvation, but as a testimony to it. And so maybe you need to come and, and say, in obedience to Christ, I want to be baptized. Maybe you're here and you're a, a father today, and you need to say, you know what? I, I want my home to be centered on Jesus. I want my kids to, to grow in their love for Jesus. Maybe they need to stand, see you stand up in humility and walk to an altar and pray for your wife and for your kids and for your home. Maybe you're here and you're a child and, and your earthly father's not all that he should have been, maybe not all that he ought to be. But I want to tell you, your hope still stands in our heavenly father, the grace that he's shown us through Jesus. Maybe you want to come pray for your, your parents and pray for your home. Maybe you're a mother here today and you say, you know what, I, I didn't see it turning out like this and, and things are not what they ought to be, but maybe you want to come. God's grace is offered to you. His hope is offered to you. Maybe you want to come pray for your husband or for your ex-husband or for, for your kids, for your home. Maybe you want to come and pray for a church, for a movement of God as fathers get right. Maybe you want to come and pray, God, use me in the effort. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for exit. Again, most important thing we're going to do today is respond to the truth of God's preached word. If God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, if you want to come pray at an altar, I'm going to ask that you would come on. As we stand and sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on.